0: Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 30th of June, 2019. It's astonishing how time is flying now, isn't it? And it is flying. It's not just me. I think everybody I know has said the same thing. It seems to be rushing in. And here you go. It's going to be uh, July, and that'll fly in too, no doubt. Before you know it, I'll be getting snow again in September, if I'm still here, that is... Again, that's global warming for you. We live in amazing times, which we do live in amazing times. But before I get into anything tonight, and I had a whole stack of stuff I was going to give tonight, but I thought it's just repetition of what's in the main organized newspapers. With this. They've all got the same themes and memes and so on. Because everything today, as I say, this is a new chapter. News now is, is simply part of the big agenda of sustainability with all the different reasons they're giving you for sustainability, except the true reason, which is that they claim there's too many of you. And if you go in with all the sustainable methods, they're going to push, and they are pushing through grants to small farmers to start little farm ups, even, even sort of mud-wattle-type places, and things like that, for sustainability you're going to find the health of the public is going to deteriorate very quickly. And when they cut energy out too, and a lot of the energy, you won't have travel, Uh, you won't even go to your hospital, etc. With paying all the different taxes for sustainability and carbon, etc., there won't be money even left for a lot of the hospitals, so the population will plummet. I used to wonder how they are going to effectively effectively achieve their targets uh, years ago when they came out with this. But then again, I had read the World Wildlife Fund's reports and all the different organizations that Prince Philip was, was the, the titular head of, and uh, he was quite blatant about their goals and their agendas uh, before they toned it down a bit or camouflaged it. It's always been about too many people. The whole global warming idea was dreamt up uh, uh, when they're looking for a reason to take over our rights to manage us all and have us give them up in a crisis scenario. And then you drum it up and drum it up in a fever pitch And then you have a new system, you're living in a new system before you know it And you've lost pretty well all the rights that you had before So this is a big, big uh, change of the system that we're living in today And uh, there's no point complaining about it really, because it's, it's, it's carved in stone It's taught in every school and university across the planet now, it's a, it's a fact and they train the, uh, the, the populations to go along with it. So the younger they are, the more they go along, they'll never question it. And that's how you rule the world, basically, a new system. But before I get into all that, I'm not, I'm not going to go very far at all, because I see, you're, you're just parting the stuff from the, from the news, basically, why bother? You can touch on it and, re- and just give a casual breakdown or something, but, the, but there's, no, there's no point. There really isn't any point. Everybody who's anybody's bought off. If you're a politician, you've got to go along with the stuff or you won't get the financial backing. The big foundations and the top philanthropists on the planet are backing this. So there's nothing you can do. There's nothing to oppose this at all. And common sense won't do because, as I say, they've got to reduce the population of the planet. And it's not new. The idea is not new because it's a very old idea. And uh, back in the, in the late 1800s, uh, in fact, the mid-1800s, some of the top early pushers for eugenics and control of the populations, etc., cetera, were, were very open about uh, their ambitions to either sterilize people. And the best way to do, of course, is without their, their, their not just their permission, but their knowledge that's happening to them until it's done eh? And you can take that wherever you, wherever you want to go with it. But it's also to do with what makes a healthy population. If you are a healthy population where you can breed, for instance, you've got to then cut out those things that make you healthy. So you, you reduce the type of food that, that people get for high nutrition, high protein, and so on, uh, substitute it with other things which aren't quite as good. Then you ration it eventually down the road, you ration it all. And that's where it's meant to go for those who haven't caught on to the agenda. Before I get into it, as I say, you can remember to go into the, the website cutting 3 you can help me take along here, Either donate to me. you see how to do it at cuttingthroughmediates.com. And remember, you can buy the books and discs, I've got there too, and just straight donations as well. And you can, you can use different methods of getting money to me, because things are tightening up, there's no doubt about it. Remember, you can also, apart from all the usual ways, you can also use an international postal money order from your post office to send money is cheap. It's a lot cheaper than some ones that you send, other types. But international postal money orders from the post office, and you've got to use international to send to Canada if you're outside Canada. And it's internal for internal, of course, naturally. But uh, as I say, uh, it's, it's cheap. It's effective. It doesn't take the big, big cuts at the top that other, other uh, agencies use. And that can get some, you can also send cash you're going to find things are changing drastically now. If you're not on board with the rah-rah-rah agenda, or if you've even got questions about it, uh, don't want your, work, your voice out there at all. Uh, what you do in a totally propagandised society is ensure there are no dissenting voices from the propaganda. And that's what's happening today, naturally. Buy the books and discs at through maries.com. And remember... All the other sites I've got listed there Official sites, they're all mine They're uh, they are the only ones I have They're all listed on that page Cuttingthroughthematrix.com And you can order from them Anything else outside is using my name and, and doesn't have one of those official sites Someone else is conning you So be very careful Always go into com. There's Alan Watts sent Sentinel You'll find uh, the other sites all listed together on the com site. Take notice of them too, because things will change. They're changing quickly, as I say. Uh, Because I don't get much money at all. I never have, really. Uh, Most folk take it for granted, even ones that use you, the big corporations and so on, uh, for media, they do that, actually. And some people even take the information out of the archives, and use it for books, and they never send you a penny. Never, ever. And that's a society in which we live, of course, naturally. But for those who, who And it's it's only the decent folk really make you keep on putting out the stuff because they're the few who will always help you out. They're decent people. Uh, Everybody else today wants politics, basically. Politics I don't even bother with because politics is a con game and it's been a con game your entire life. And I've given talks on that years ago about the whole point of politics, which is basically to stop revolutions. If you didn't have politics, and you couldn't vote out the scallywags after four or five years, you might have a revolution. So they give you the votes, you know, you vote somebody else in and you're really voting the last bunch out, you're so sick of them, the same people you probably admired before you got them in. And then you go on this endless cycle of replacements and you, most folk never catch on their entire life, uh, that nothing changes, there's agendas set in stone. You can hear them for 40 years, one party after another, but the same agendas could continue. And uh, that, that's your telling point right there. Uh, the same agendas continue. If you truly had different parties, you really would have different agendas. And I think it was uh, Thomas Jefferson mentioned that, that too. When you see um, the, the, same, the, the continuity of agendas, uh, but the, even through changes in the House meaning the Congress and the US to different parties when you see continuity of agendas then know you're under attorney but we never catch on do we because we're given these big big oh crisis things You know, is, is your, before it was, it was global cooling the coming ice age in the 1960s and 70s then they changed it to the global warming we're all going to get fried and then they went into climate change which is just normal weather change you know and they can't lose that way. But anything that's, that's, if you get a bit of rain today, it's going to be a major flood. If you get a bit of sun, oh my God, we're all going to fry. Like we never had a really hot sun before. And it's just too easy. People will go with the media because it's what they watch on television all the time. That's propaganda. And it's repetition, repetition, repetition. They, they, they really can't remember very far back in their own lifetime uh, to what happened a few summers ago or maybe a, a winter ago or whatever they really can't remember and Even when if they think they do it can be overridden Like Aldous Huxley talked about About the suggestibility of most people They can be overridden with a little bit more persuasion and They'll ignore their own sensibilities and take the expert's opinion on something he gave a good talk on that at Berkeley. Part of it, well, it wasn't all about that, but he did say that um, most people were suggestible. And I think he said about uh, 40% to 60% of the public were, were all instantly suggestible, but different advertisers knew this. That's why it worked so well on television, for instance. And he said, but he says, if you take the, the, the instance of a, of a, like a snake oil salesman selling you something that's going to a cure all for everything, and that the 40% of the, the, the frightened people will buy it right away. They'll have a relief from it because there's nothing wrong with them in the first place, but they're very suggestible. But then 20% will phone up and say, Well, it didn't, it didn't work with us. And he says with more persuasion, that 20% could be, be won over and they'll believe it too. But they need a bit more reinforcement and persuasion. And then another 20% he says, really, you have to have high. So altogether, you have to put 80% can be persuaded into accepting the propaganda eventually. 40 easy, 60 with more, and then up to 80 with extra, extra, extra. The about ten to twenty percent in the public. You said that back in the sixties. He said you you just can't bring them under; they're not suggestible enough. I would differ today with that. I think today it's much easier to bring people under. The techniques are far superior to bring folk under to, to accept what they're being told, and they'll accept it even if their own observations are contrary. On whatever topic it is they're changing their minds on. So it, it's quite something to, to live through a time when neuroscience uh, is rather open in some some areas about the studies that they've done on us and tests they've done on us. They're constantly doing tests on all of us and I've, again that's a whole different topic again and I've given talks on that to, uh, over the years. But it hasn't stopped, and it's, and it's, it's getting easier. Once you, once you get in to the, to the accepting, accepting, accepting mode of what you're being told, uh, it's far easier for you to swallow the next lot of drivel that comes your way. And, and they know that at the top as well. There are many reasons for it, too. And one of the reasons, of course, is most folk don't want to stand out from their peer group and again the studies the studies and all that are just astonishing where they find out the most adaptable and unquestioning people uh, to, to uh, uh, accept something new and they'll push something new are the cocktail crew the meet, the, the, stand, the stand and have drinky poos and they discuss the latest books and their best authors and chat like that they're no class type and and even in, in the civil service in different countries they're very prone to it. And they don't want to, no one wants to be different in the civil society. You want to be accepted. Accepted, that's how you get promotion. You don't cause waves, and you don't say something too outstanding that's when you shock people around you. Uh, they might be frightened because you're clever, and you won't get very far that way in and, and those areas. So anyway, you'll you find that they want to be accepted by their peer group. And they've got to all conform to what's being pushed, you see, by experts and scientists, etc., it's quite amazing to, to to watch it happen. But most folk do conform very quickly. Children do, too. They don't want to be left out of their peer group or pointed to because children are very cruel to each other. And uh, they'll, they'll have fights and everything else. They're nasty if someone is a bit different to, to the crowd. And that can be used by, let's be honest here, the teaching fraternity who are on board with their indoctrination agendas because they're really change agents, as some uh, previous authors have talked about, who are dead now. I think Charlotte Isaby was a, was one of them who went through the educational system in the U.S. and she was up there on the board for education for the, for the U.S. government, I think under Reagan, maybe. Uh, and uh, she went through how they started changing it and changing it for indoctrination until she called them the teacher's change ages. well, They're well paid for behavioral changes. That's their main thing today. It's not as much education and things to help them throughout their lives. Children, therefore, can be persuaded to adapt with the threat of being ostracized from the group. By teachers who have read their their tool books, their they they call call them toolboxes, how to make sure that all the children come out of that class and that with that topic with all the same opinion on the topic, you see, the desired opinion. Remember, in education, that uniformity is awfully important. That's how you get your your degrees, etc. If you conform to to what they expect, they're not looking for brilliant people. And if you are brilliant, you may have trouble. And you may have to keep your head down. It's sad, but true. Sometimes you need a bit of entertainment. In this day and age, you see, to learn something. And and everybody's taught that anything you learn, even very serious topics, it's easier to put some humor into it, you see. You've got to be entertained with everything today. and And it's a shame, because if you had straight, real, honest news, you would need an entertainment. But you don't really get straight stuff today. You get you get well-known people to present stuff to you on television, and and of course you know they never lie to you. You know that, don't you? They never lie to you. They're there to 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 help you. It's not they're an appendage to your brain. That's what Zygmunt Brzezinski said basically in his book Between Two Ages, that the media really would become. Expected to be, in fact, he said. Surely the, the, the media will be expected to to be an appendage to the, to, to their brain, basically, by the general public, because they've been they were being trained then that they would do their, their your thinking for you. I mean, it's what he said in his own book, basically. Paraphrase it. But that's what he said, and it's all happened. We know that it's all happened, and we're living through it. And most folk don't know it. Most folk really don't know it. Uh, But this don't fall for the famous faces thing, the people who get big, big money as anchor people that you're used to because they'd never lie to you, would they? Now, I do remember a time where they used to at least have the decency to give you opposing views on television, on news and, and debates and so on. The object wasn't necessarily to completely demolish an opponent, an opponent's opinion, in a nasty way. It was to, it was to give them both uh, both points of view and some kind of rational, detailed description to the general public and let the general public make up their mind. Well, that's long, long gone, gone years and years ago, that whole way of doing things. Today you're told what you're supposed to think and you're, 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 you're early ridiculed as a little child. If if you're stubborn and you don't go along with it, that's where we are. We don't have tolerance today at all, as we know, because you're being trained to be a perpetual child. And experts run the world, that's true socialism for those who don't know it. And uh, you should go and study socialism. Go and study the early, the early authors, some of the earlier authors of socialism who made it quite plain what they were talking about. Read Man and Superman, for instance, and George Bernard Shaw, and, and you'll have them tell you that when they're in charge of everything, and true socialist form, scientific socialism, as they call it, those who are deemed more intelligent would run the world. They would be picked out to rule over the rest of the public, and they would make the decisions for the public, the proper scientific... Uh, society would be created by these experts, and you would do what you were told, you'd be obedient and you'd serve the system. Because in reality, you see, we're going into a, a completely intolerant system. You're seeing it today, as I say, if you don't go along with, with the status quo, with uh, the laws that have been carved in stone, kind of like the laws of Moses. I mean, Moses wasn't appreciated here by his people, when he came down from the from the mountain with the, with the, with the laws from god you see and uh, the people said you're kidding you we don't want them and and, and moses lost his, his temper and he, and he threw them down and smashed the, the stones so he was the first person to break the law and look he was elevated as a hero eventually but anyway getting back to the point here when you think about uh, the world in which we live now, Bernard Shaw made quite plain. And we saw it in action through the old uh, Bolshevik and, and into communist era of the, the Soviet bloc countries, and then in China too, but the Soviet bloc countries where they did set up the Politburo organizations and different strata of bureaucrats who ran everything and different levels and tiers, etc. And that was it, you did what you were told. You were told what to think, what to say, what to do, or else. And you were monitored incredibly well, detailed. They had all these files and files and files on everybody. They didn't have the computers back then to keep tabs of it, but they had detailed filing systems. The Stasi in in, in, um, East Germany is astonishing about the, the, the system that they had and the files they had on everybody. Well, now they're, they're, of course, the same systems using their internet and your, all your data and your cell phone data and all, all that kind of stuff. Until you can't utter a word without them knowing about it. And they can replay that years later if they want to. And they will. They'll, they'll say, did you say that? you know Back in the year, so-and-so. And you'll say, no I, no, I don't think so. And they'll play it for you and say, oh, my, well, I guess I did. And that's you guilty right there, you see. The context doesn't matter. Nothing matters as long as they get you saying it. And that's where it's all meant to go. See, people don't think about what they're reading today and what's the real intent of it. The intent of most of the stories you're getting today is to train you of what's to, for what's to come. That's what it is. And I can remember years and years ago when judges, occasionally a judge would get in trouble for for throwing a, a case out of court, for instance, in Britain uh, and elsewhere, but mainly it was, it was Britain at the time, because no one really had much respect for the big judges in Britain, except the legal profession themselves. And there was so much uh, weirdness within the, the judge, uh, that kind of position, or the folk who went into it, that's for sure. You'll find that occasionally they throw some out of court uh, and once in a while, even today, down in Argentina or Brazil or something, you'll see similar things happen occasionally where a woman is going to take someone to court because she went out and had a date and got drunk, went back, took her clothes off and slept with a the guy, then, then claims that, that he, he had sex with her against her will. And the judge would say, well, why on earth would you get drunk in the first place with a stranger, go to their place? Take all your clothes off and then go into their bed. I mean, you understand that that's what the judges would say years ago, more so. Today they're terrified to say something like that. Uh, because uh, because everything's politicized. Everything ev- everything's today's politicized. Really. To, to an extent it's dangerous. But what it's, what it's training you for, it's nothing to do with sex. What it's training you for is for years down the road. When the big world system pulls out of the thin air, something you said on the phone or whatever, thirty, forty years ago, you see it happening in the government today. I listen to the the Democratic Party on the radio, in the U.S., uh, all vying all, all with their Christmas giveaways because every day with them is Christmas. You know they're going to give you everything's going to be utopian and, and and wonderful and free. And each one's trying to outdo with the last person's promise to the people. It's astonishing to, to listen to it. But I thought of, of the same kind of thing happening there. Because some of them complain about the other delegates on the same party who supposedly were against the busing problem. I'm quite sure for or against the busing problem in the schools years ago. And so they're trying to make a big deal about that. So in other words, what I'm saying is anything from, from 40, 50 years ago can get pulled up at any time. And they'll use that like a battering ram against you. The context of, of the time has got nothing to do with it, that they'll say, and things like that. That's how you can be lambasted. But you've been, you're getting trained for what's to come, because everybody is going to be under this world Stasi system. We're in it, actually, already. Of course, we all know that, but I think we all know that. It's going to get worse and worse for the controlled, socialistic, controlled society I don't see any real parties, political parties out there Of any wing, as they call themselves, wings, left wing and right wing uh, That are against this system And I haven't seen, I really haven't seen any Demands, like, like full, absolute, clenched fist demands That the that, that big tech backs off of collecting the data on everybody it hasn't happened. It's not going to happen. Because that is the agenda, folks. That really is the agenda. And constantly, constantly, constantly with other things that you hear and read about and so on, it's all to do with training you for what's to come down the road. Absolutely. I gave talks years ago about self-policing. Now, self-policing is a term the United Nations has used for for, oh, maybe 20, 30 years with, with some of their agendas or for a world society where they would train the people to self-police their, their, their thoughts and what they say. Well, you're going through it all and you don't even realize that's what's happening. You don't know. When when they, they say things and they have big world meetings about it, and reinforce every part of their agenda and update it all the time and publish it. They're not, they're not playing themselves. I mean, they are that, too, because they love to have big salaries and have meetings look important. But but the fact is, they really mean what they say. This agenda is fixed in stone, as they say, and there's no Moses to break it, you see. It's fixed in stone. There is no opposition to it. Isn't it astonishing how easily, under the guise of, of keeping you safe, and I, and it hasn't kept anybody safe. But keeping you safe, uh, all your rights have been taken away from you. All the rights of privacy. That 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 anybody in in Europe, even in the Middle Ages, realised it was vital to have privacy and security. In ages where governments, or, which are generally royalty or, or monarchy at I the time, mean, with their armies could just plunder in your home any time they wanted to, and they did. And folk fought and fought and fought for, for, to keep privacy. And now they've given it all away. Because your government's gonna keep you safe. I was thinking too about the lead up, the lead up to the 20th century. And how blithely and easily we, we toss out the warnings from great minds going down through the past who always acted as people almost like prophets in a sense, but just, just be telling you to be wary of, hey, think, think about this, think about it. Don't just rush ahead. Think about it. And we, we have, we've forgotten all that. We've been rushed. I gave talks years ago of how... The neuroscientists and psychologists and behaviorists knew that once they can stampede the public with fear and terror, oh my God, the world's going to end with a, with, a, with an ice storm eventually. Oh no, let's change that to global warming. Oh no, let's change it to climate change, um, etc. We're running out of food. Oh my God, yeah, we're running out of food. Yadda, 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 and, and And terrorism, terrorism everywhere. And give up all your rights and to keep you safe. It's just one thing after another, isn't it? You don't get a minute's peace to breathe, and if you breathe, they're trying to stop you breathing and pollute the atmosphere, you know, with that CO two. I mean, you don't, you don't really don't, you don't have any peace at all, and they've got fanatical armies set up to parrot the stuff for repetition, repetition, re- like Bertrand Russell says, repetition, constant repetition, the same little slogans. And that's how you do it. When, when you get brainwashed with these repetitive slogans, you don't have to add details or give them facts on anything. Just, just the little short sentences. You know. Climate change, climate change, blah, blah. see? And the folk are stampeded. And when you get them stampeded, uh, you've got them panicked. Well, the whole technique today is don't give them any peace to, to regain their sensibilities and take a deep breath. Keep them panic, keep them stampeded, and you can ramp change after change after change along the agenda in quick succession, and that's what you're living through today. And all the old prophets of old did warn us about all of this, and they did tell us. And we we see it even with uh, when the first thousand years AD came up that all these portents, oh my God, of, of things are going to happen because there's a magical significance to, to, to time and numbers, of course. They, they talked about comets being seen in portents of terrible things, etc., etc. And they also had, had the, the, a, a real deep knowledge of forces, including evil, in religion. And anyone who discounts evil is going to end up either watching or participating or being the recipient of horror. That's a fact. For all the lessons we get taught, we, 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 we so quickly throw it out the window. And let the experts, again, rush us and stampede us onto the next part of the agenda. Never forget the horror. That the, and when, this, when the second millennium came up, basically or when they came up to, towards the year 2000, you know, even before that we came up, the, the crescendo build-up in, in the, the, the 19th century into the 20th century. Really think about it, the build-up to that, the latter part, going up to the second millennium, but not, not at it yet, but the latter part, was a horror show of World War I. And never mind all the wars across the world um, with, with uh, occupations and empires, etc. But with the rise of, of mechanisms and science for weaponry, you led up to a horror show. And Nietzsche, of course, uh, they always give you, when they, when they take away your religions, they give you philosophers as though they're gods in their place, you see. Yet quite a few, of course, trying to, and Nietzsche was brought out, God is dead, basically, you see. And the whole idea was, well, if God's dead, then all the values, all the little safety mechanisms that could hold us back from being utter massive slaughterers that was taken away and yet the curtain was opened and you could peek through and say, my God, we, there's nothing to stop us to do whatever we want to do now. If there's no God with rules and laws and regulations, then all the unthinkable becomes thinkable. All the unthinkables, all the horrors which were unthinkable now, are, you could, they're possible because there's nothing to stop you. And you're, you're just, you're throwing away the last vestige of of human morality, and then now you can say, "Oh well, our scientists and our social thinkers can now rule the show, and and, and they're the real gods." Because if God is displaced and tossed away, who is a new God? What's a scientist? You say, and it, and it's a social philosopher, and it's a dictator, and here you are, and so you had World War One. ...where millions of people were thrown at each other... ...across muddy battlefields... ...for years. And... ...the gross domestic product... ...of the entire... Plat- ...of what they call the civilized world... ...civilized, eh? World... ...went in to try and blow each other up. And that was the peak... ...of your civilization... ...and your knowledge... And suddenly you're given the sciences and abilities to put things together and to create your weapons and technology, and you call this civilized. And again, behind it, you had this, this group cabal of revolutionaries who'd worked for, for centuries before that to build up a world revolutionary force for total world conquest, to bring the whole world under the dominion. Because, you know, unlike uh, Nietzsche, uh, they would tossed God out long, long before him. And they foresaw what they could do with with nothing to hold them. And they were given their wish. And then, of course, you had World War Two that came out of World War One, really. And it, then you had, it, it culminated with atomic warfare on Japan and the threat of countries elsewhere afterwards for years. And we, we say we're civilized now. Civilized. When 9 11 happened, you know, the emergency call number happened, 9 11. We all know that, 2001, right? And, and I, I got to admit it, you know, uh, that whenever a big thing is, is done, you only have incredible symbology and in numbers thrown at you. <laughs> you're supposed to swallow calmly and say, oh, that's a coincidence. But anyway, when it happened, uh, after the Peanut Group, Talked about the need for a Pearl Harbor event to mobilize the public opinion on their support for the wars they'd planned or they'd like to do, you see. and they got their wish because yeah. they're lucky that way, aren't they another coincidence, but anyway, immediately um, Afghanistan was attacked. They already had troops built up to it before May eleven happened. yeah to go in. it was in all the papers I did, I did shows at the time talking about it. From the newspapers at the time, and I always use what was given as, as facts, was given whether they are facts or not, but they're given as facts by news. And so I didn't conjure things up out of thin air. And they did, it was a Canadian paper at the time, but they said that, that, that the US think tanks that they really were pushing, uh, creating the propaganda for this big war, you see had uh, changed its sights very quietly after going to Afghanistan. Uh, quietly changed them all the way to, to focus on Saddam Hussein in Iraq. Without the people being even aware that it happened, it just seemed to be, it's like George Orwell, who are we find today, East Asia, West Asia, who is it, Eurasia? You just keep changing your, your sights, and the folk just follow on, you see. And then... Bush, George Bush, at the time who was a president, an inquiry, I'm sure it's still out there. He said uh, when he was asked to the inquiry about why they went into Iraq, uh, uh, you know, he says, "Well, I, I didn't say that, that Hussein had anything to do with 9/11." He said, were, it's just he it, it was a bad man. We're better off without him." So the, so so it's okay to do that. But before they did that too, they starved the people for years with embargoes. Huh? probably they made it to over half a million at one point on television with Madeleine Albright talking, and she was said it was it was worth it starving them all a half a million and but then they finished it was about a million of starvation, malnourished, lack of medications and, and so on medicines. what I'm saying here is... Do you really think we're progressing to some better future here? Huh? What makes you think you're somehow civilized now? When they're doing the same thing today with Iran? And the US and other countries have been got special forces into Syria For years try to topple them Because just like they don't like the president of Venezuela who was elected they don't like the the, the presidents and, and of other countries who are elected as well in the Middle East, like Syria, where they toppled even the president of, of Egypt at one point, the prime minister, because they, they thought he wasn't secular enough. The West thought that. Well, so much for non-interference and so much for this thing called democracy. Eh? Hmm? Think about it. But we're civilized, aren't we? We're civilized. We we don't go and just blow them up all the time. We we starve them to death. We're so have you seen folk being starved to death, folks? How come the wonderful news organizations aren't telling you all about that? How come, eh? How come? Isn't that news? I remember years ago they had photographers. Who put exhibitions on in New York and other places because they go around places in and, and, and Bangladesh and in Africa, other places, India, Africa, all these countries, third world countries. We're often, mind you, it wasn't just because, and again, you have this rum in the back, there's too many people, too many. No, you always had Western interference for corporations wanting resources and these con- and causing civil wars all over the place. Standard technique. And when you have the civil wars, no one's doing the farming. Huh? And the food supplies can't get made and kept up, and the, and the ones that are given to them can't even get through. I can remember stuff with Red Cross parcels ending up going through the Sahara Desert years ago on camels. To be sold elsewhere by tradesmen. Beginning back to the photographer, and he had all these professionally done photographs, and he had some uh, video too of going in to, to to these designated areas where there was there had been mass starvation. And what do you think you'd hear? That, it's not like you're seeing what I, what I give you for news today. you see the kids screaming and yelling, get me, you know, and the hands waving and they're all. What, you, what you've got is a deathly silence. That's what you get as you go in. And you, you've got children, I may say children, dead and dying outside in the streets, next to houses. Mother is the same thing. Often the mothers would die first, trying to give the last vestige to the children of food. And so the so the children were the lying. They have no energy to move, to crawl, whatever. The dogs, the animals are all gone, you know. Either been eaten or they've starved themselves. But but this this deathly eerie silence everywhere. And that, that's that's how you go out, not with a bang but with a whimper, is it so? And we think nothing of it when you're told they've got embargoes against countries which they don't agree with. Now, I don't blame nations. I don't believe these. What's a nation? Have you ever had a say, like a, like a vote on anything, any particular topic that actually mattered to you anywhere? You don't get it. these actors are put in as political parties and so on, and they go along with the standard agendas. And then you wonder what on earth they're up to when they make all these strange rules, laws, and so on. So you get no rights at all. And how even the the, the pretenses of rights today. And, And you still vote for them because you'll vote them back in again. Look at Europe. Europe's a bit demolished right now, because like every other country, they're importing stuff from the third world. It's manufactured abroad. The top corporations that were based in their own countries own them in China. With with the cheap labor. But nothing's made back pretty well back in your own countries. So why do you call it your country? For or your corporate or Britain has decided or Canada's decided. What are they talking about? Were you asked to vote? Say, no, of course you're not. Or the wars that come up. And, and, and again, at one time, folks just scratched their head, at least, at least scratched their head and said, what on earth are we doing over there? You don't even get that now, do you? Because you've been trained, it's all out of your hands. Again, back to Man and Superman and George Bernard Shaw uh, you know, they would rule the world. All these experts. You just shut up and behave yourself and go and play. And you'd be a good citizen. That's what you're told. But the folk never catch on that because they're too well trained. And I said this years ago, I said you get 20 years of the internet and then they'll reel it all in and then it'll be a, a curse to you because it's just nothing more than a uh, pigeonholing pigeonholing you're constantly pigeonholing Everything you do, your personality, even changes Until, if you change, in, in your routine You'll get a knock on the door By the world's special police force or something To find out why you haven't continued with your usual routines I'm not kidding you I'm not kidding you at all It's astonishing how folk are ad- adapted to this But... Yeah, death, it's okay for us to sit by and, and be proud of our nations as they starve other countries. This could be you getting starved to death. What 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 say do you have in your country for what leaders are doing? And, and, but it's okay to starve folk in another country who are just the same way, have no, no, no say in their own country about what their leaders are doing either. Eh? You're dealing with massive political power plays by the most important people on the planet, wherever you look, your corporate or their wise, who want resources, who want these countries' resources, or who want their land, or who want to rule them, basically, straight out, they want to rule them. That's what you're seeing, and any excuse will do for corporations. I gave that talk years ago where an awfully good documentary was put out in Britain, and it's when Sierra Leone had a so-called civil war going on. And uh, Sierra Leone had uh, diamonds, of course, and gold, etc. But the, the, the documentary from Britain, I believe it was, was, was very open. And at one time they did some good documentaries. And they, they showed you the British mercenaries that were over there, basically uh, managing the troops, ordering the troops around, so on. Uh, the, the native troops... In Syria, Leone, and had native troops here too, and the British troops and the mercenaries were were managing them, directing them like officers, basically. And then they the, the flashed it to a big, massive tower in London, a big business tower, where a corporation, international corporation in diamonds and gold, had its offices. and they talked to, I guess, there was a CEO or a managing director of this company. Who'd helped finance the mercenaries, and in, and even finance the, the weaponization? They brought them the arms, etc., for for the mercenaries to train the locals and get the wars going. Because what had happened is the, the their, their own people had put in their own leaders, who wanted to have rights over their own country and their resources and their diamonds and gold and so on. So this this company in London. Said, come on. He says, they don't have a proper government. He was quite, quite candid, the fellow. And he's laughing when he's asked, why, why are they in there meddling with this country's affair? He says, look at that. Look what they're sitting on, he says. Look what they're sitting on. He says, and they don't even know it or use it or even bother to, to exploit it. And, and, and he, 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 he talks back to the, to the, to the uh, reporter. Uh, as though he was he wasn't offended it was just if he, he, he just felt that you can't be serious that you you don't you ask me why we're in there you know tim is quite logical that's what you do and i'd rather have that i'd rather have someone honest about it why they're going in and plundering a country rather than this political hoopla that's for the same thing look look at the talks i gave about tony blair when he was in one man band to wave his hands to get Britain into the war against Iraq as well. That's what you. Nobody else wanted it. He was bought and paid for. And you know who afterwards was it? Was was his paymaster afterwards when he left it? Who did he go and work for? J. P. Morgan. Hmm? And where did he what was he put in charge of afterwards? Were they put in charge of the quartet they called it? Managing Middle Eastern Affairs for the Corporations and Oil and Gas Industries That's what Evan's about But he also, it was in the newspapers And always gave the the, the links to things and the natural stories It it was admitted that before the war in Iraq started He and some of the top oil corporate executives met together And divvied up Iraq before we even invaded them This, This is reality folks so never fall for they're just bad people I don't care who they're talking about They're just bad people these, these are ordinary people Like you or I across the planet Who generally don't want very much And who've got as much say in their own countries As we do, which is nil And you've got these corporations Using national armies across the planet To fight their wars for them To plunder it's, t- it's disgusting, but no, I can't. I can't. look at I, I, again from the twentieth century. Right there, there, there's, you know, there's there's two thousand years. Almost two thousand years. Then you, then then you get into the the millennium. Two thousand. It really started in two thousand and 9-11 came along. Boom! Pff, there you go. And we've used cluster bombs. Since then. We've used uh, what they call the bunker-busting bombs, which literally can shatter the size of a mountain. And they really are tactical small nooks. That's what they are. And we haven't even touched on biowarfare laboratories across the world. We're just looking at how we, we use conventional stuff, you know, conventional ways of slaughtering or starving or whatever, people to death. What would you do? Think about it. If you, this reverse it. If your country gets so broke as it gets plundered, at a time when you've never had a, a minority of people getting richer and richer and richer, an even smaller minority getting richer than any pharaoh could ever dream of in ancient times to the present, is to tell you're democratic. And then you're stuck with a bill for all as they get the profit, which is what happens now. And suppose in some country says, "Well, well, you know, we won't be happy till you get your government out of office." Then they start embargoing you till you're starving to death. Think about it, folks. Never mind this global agenda when they've conquered the planet and everybody on it under sustainability and start reducing the population by taking away energy and, and all types of food from you, etc., etc., and sicknesses return, etc., etc. That's all part of sustainability, folks. People aren't living longer today because they're living in mud and wattle and stick huts. And once you put them back in it, and by the way, there's some articles <laughs> that have try this in sustainability programs in places like Wales, under a, a novel little thing that they call Hobbit Houses. It sounds wonderful and quaint, but I know where it's all meant to go, folks. And most folk don't, they don't. They fall for the propaganda, especially the children who've had early, early conditioning into the whole agenda. So what I say is, think about it. Think about it. We haven't got nicer got up to the year 2000. Before that, as I say, you had the 20th century of mass slaughter, like never before, where your whole GDP was put into armaments to slaughter and blow things up, and people and blood and bones to blow it all up, and to burn it and scorch it. And we think we're civilized. Now we we try to do it quietly, if possible, by starving folk to death. Because the leaders that they have no control over are supposed to get out of office because the West or some other country wants them out. Or their neighbors or whoever it happens to be. And just like always, the U.S. had the right idea when it started. No foreign entanglements, no treaties, you see. And they forgot that quick enough, didn't they? And then of course President Wilson managed to get him into World War One with Bernays, who boasted about it afterwards, using the biggest marketing company to put out propaganda to get him into World War One. He boasted they put a book out about how they did it, how they conned the American people. And since then the US has been involved in war after war after war once that happens, corporations are ruling you quite easily. So anyway, yeah, mass slaughter was what we've done in the past. That had meetings in Britain while World War II was going on and the king, it was held under the king's auspices supposedly, an international meeting for the countries that could attend it, talking about that they'd have to go further because the war wasn't killing enough people off. And World War One hadn't done enough either. See, they talked about ways to reduce the population of Europe and Britain. And then they went to it. And it's up to you how you want to guess how it's been done. But believe you me, it's always done under the auspice. We're here to help you. That's the easiest way to do it, always, isn't it? but it's not fast enough today now. And so under sustainability for a global society, you, you've got to go back to a carbon-neutral society. You know how impossible that is? They never talk about the, the forest fires or volcanoes. You know how many volcanoes are off right now across the parts of the Pacific, all the way into uh, basically just north of Japan even? There's one or two on the go right now. There's earthquakes going on. And that st- stuff is... Polluting the sky, like you can see from from the satellites, but they never mention that, does he? The people who are petrified of it, they never mention that. Isn't that weird, eh? But pollution and carbon, eh? Hmm. That's holy smoke, isn't it? From the god volcanus, eh? Vulcan. But anyway, when you don't have consistency of rationale. There's something else on the go You breathing is terrible, apparently Even though carbon dioxide is a trace gas Which is essential for plants to thrive on To create oxygen hmm. There you go a Trace gas Most of greenhouse gas is actually water moisture We call it humidity But facts got nothing to do with a big agenda to reduce the population of the world. That's what it's always been about. Very openly, as I say, from the 1800s onwards, and then hushed up after World War Two, and reinvented again uh, with, to get us on board with it. We might object if they asked for you to just willingly die eh? to save the planet. Eh? So we bring it about in a different way and we'll all have to change how we live and how we're going to change is reducing energy, including food, food is an energy source and the type of food too, folks. As I say, we didn't get to live a bit longer in this day and age by living in mud and wattle, what they call mud-wattle huts, in dampness and in cold in the winter. That's not how we got to live a bit longer. Think about it, folks. Think about it. That's all I say is think about it. And for the people who did warn us, going up to the year 2000 and beyond, we are going through it all. People get caught up in the immediacy of today's meme, which is to terrify you. And they forget about yesterday's meme, and so on, until they they lose track of the big agenda. you find everything falls in place with the big agenda, folks. And don't just panic each time you hear the the next scary story. That's control, isn't it? Anyway, I didn't even mean to go all, all this tangent to this week, but I'll put some links up for you to follow. For those who want to do it, I'm not going to put all the ones up on the latest barrage on sustainability and how you, well, you've got to live this way and got to live that way and cut back this and cut back that and be run by experts, you see. Your new priesthoods, God is dead. Well, here's your new white coat characters, the experts, you see. They're your high priests. They're gods, actually, some of them. So they claim themselves. And Nietzsche would certainly be proud of them, and so would the the gods of of the mind, psychology, as I call it, behaviorism, to manage us so perfectly into this path without most folk even recognising what's going on. There you go. Anyway, as I said, I didn't mean to go off on this tangent, but. Uh, I thought I might, might as well and just parrot the news to you, because the news really is so weaponized, and you you, you don't get dissented voices pretty well out anymore, and it's going to get worse it's going to get worse as uh, as we go through it all. We have our nudge experts have given talks on them, they're they're international, and they prod you to behave on the internet and so on or they'll cut you off. And they're active and at it, they're going to teach you, whether you like it or not, to self-police, don't do this, don't do that, don't say this, don't say that. And, and just like Bertrand Russell said in the socialistic gulag we're in, basically, this world gulag, which they're creating this electronic gulag. Russell said they'll, they'll cut off your funding, your, your, your money, your credits, whatever they want to call it, from the state. Until you're on your knees and you can't pay your rent or or feed yourself until you behave. And that is happening. We're living through this, folks. And that's not coincidence. Because the characters in in Russell's day helped plan the whole system up to the present time. Including (laughs) what Russell talked about, the true language of numbers. Which, of course, is what they run... Your electronic systems by listen to. You got to realize you're in an incredible agenda. Anyway, for myself, Alan Watchman here, Canada, where the bugs are doing well. There's no shortage of them, and they certainly get fed well enough. Each time I go outside, they swoop in there, and I I donate I donate all the time to wildlife. Every year I do that until I'm white as a sheep, of course. But that's just the way it is. For myself I'm not from Ontario, Canada. It's good night to me, a god or your gods go with you.